Good evening, everyone. Let's go ahead and stand our feet tonight all across the room. We're about to get into a powerful time of worship, a message. We're so grateful for what tonight's going to bring. But before we get started, if, if you want to, to make your way down to the front, get out from behind your seat tonight. We're going we're gonna to get wild here in just a moment. And, but before we do that, go ahead. We can start moving. It's okay. This is the time to do that. Amen. One thing that we love to do before we uh, get started in the service is uh, we like to read the scripture. We want to honor God. And the first thing we do is we read. And so if you'll, if you'll do me a favor and welcome Bishop Mike Millay from Louisiana.
he wanted to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So this was him. And when he went under, he came up not only speaking in tongues, screaming in tongues, okay? Hallelujah! Come on, Holy Ghost! We believe there's going to be fire in that water tonight. There's going to be fire when Brother David comes. All right, they want me to make this legal. I have to give a scripture. The one I want to use is 1 John 2.20. And it says, the anointed one has given us an anointing to know all things. Look at your neighbor and say, I know all things. You see, not in my mind, not in my thinker, but I know all things in my spirit. Would you look at somebody and say, I'm a speaking spirit. There's power in my mouth. I can change the atmosphere, change the environment. I speak life healing and deliverance in Jesus' name. But too many of our people are like David in the fact they had more joy and more power and more faith the moment they accepted Christ. In the twinkling of an eye, they moved from being an enemy of God in spiritual darkness. And all of a sudden, they could believe God for anything. And now 10, 15 years later, they got less peace and less joy than they had before. Listen, if you're in the Holy Ghost, after five, 10 years, we shouldn't have to be counseling you. Understand? I want us to pray today that we got too many people in church that think Christianity is a self-help program. You're supposed to be declared dead. It's Christ that's alive and well. We ought to be speaking spirits, living in the spirit where nothing is limited and we have no history, just the mystery of where he's taking us to. When you're in the spirit, God speaks prophetically, which means it's his way mysteriously of overcoming the limitation of your mind. I believe tonight that we can catapult some people back where they belong, not only legally in heavenly places, but living in heavenly places. Well, not only do you know the word of God, that's just intellectual. We've made church like a classroom. Somebody comes and teaches us about God or teaches us about the Bible. But where is the work of the word in you? Raise your hands and say, Lord, I want the word to work in me. Come on, Holy Ghost. Form Christ, a magnificent witness that people have to ask of the hope that they see in you. Let's shout unto God with the verse of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much.
from the bottom of our heart one more time, all of us. Come on, sing it like you're about to sing face to face. Without the instruments right now, one more time, just our voices. Lift your voices, give him a shout of praise. Put your hands together, magnify the King. How marvelous it is to come into the presence of the Lord and to sense such unity in the house. If you are a senior pastor of a church, lead pastor, would you lift your hand in the room? If you are, wow, all over the building, thank you. You see, this is the way heaven's going to be. It won't be a Methodist. It won't be a Baptist. It won't be a Pentecostal. It won't be anything like that. It's just going to be a bunch of people who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that are covered by his blood. Oh, we're so honored that you're here at the North Georgia Revival. Thank you so much for being here. We can't wait to get into the Word with Brother David Hogan here in a moment. So make your way back to your seats. Shake about 10 to 15 hands. Introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Get acquainted with them for the next few moments because you're going to be with them for just the next little while. Good evening. Good evening. We welcome all of those that are watching by television around the world on the ISN network and Facebook and YouTube. Would you make them feel welcome if you would right now? Welcome to all of you. In fact, I want you to do something very, very special for me. Pull out your phone and I want you to go to our Facebook page, Christ Fellowship Dawsonville, and I want you to share the link because what's going to happen in this room is going to be extraordinary. You're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders, and you're going to see the power of God in demonstration. And there will be people that will be healed all across the world. We'll get reports of how the presence of the Lord is invading particular um, homes, apartments, even automobiles. So please uh, take advantage of, of that opportunity. We're going to receive an offering at this juncture. I want to spend just a few moments talking to you about this offering. 
Tonight, uh, the offering is going to help us with the expenses of the North Georgia revival. This is week number 96. Come on, give God praise right there. Yes. Brother David, you're in a good spot tonight, week number 96. What a powerful word this morning that he shared, and um, we can't wait to hear what he has to say tonight. But week number 96, week number 96, 11,300 plus people have been baptized in these waters right here. So many supernatural things that have happened, unprecedented in our lifetime, my lifetime, as a, as a matter of fact, in my ministry. And I just want Jesus to do seemingly abundantly all that I could ever ask or think tonight. I'm thinking cancer being healed. Yeah. I am believing God for prodigals to come home tonight. I am believing for folks who have never tasted that the Lord is good and his salvation, that they're going to be saved tonight. I literally believe people are going to get out of wheelchairs tonight. I believe that. How do I know and how can I say that? Because I know what Jesus would do if he was here in his flesh and bone body. Not a sick person would leave this building. No demonized individual would leave the house. I think it's time that we allow Jesus to walk the aisles and the altars and the pulpits of our churches and I being the one that I need him to walk in this platform and I need him to walk on this altar. And I believe he'll do that tonight. He just loves his people so much and the atmosphere is pregnant with expectancy. The Lord led me a few months ago, or really a month and a half ago in prayer, I want to ask all the activity moving to the altar to stop after this, and then you guys can come in just a moment, okay? I need you guys to pay very, very close attention. Okay, that's the last one. Okay, last one. I'll give you an opportunity to do that, and y'all are asking and wondering why they bring in stuff to the altar. Okay, that's the last one. Because there's been supernatural miracles that have happened as a result of just laying altars and clothes on, the, on Pastor uh, David's ministry. So we're going to allow you the opportunity to do that in a moment, but not right now. I need everybody to be very, very focused. A month and a half ago, the Lord placed a demand on my heart about this revival. You see, in January of 2018, I'm walking across this platform in a moment of desperation completely defeated, ready to leave the church. And I cried out, and God, I just want to seek your face. I want to behold your glory. And I give you the permission to push into me. And about two weeks into the revival of not eating anything but juice and water and I walked this way for no particular reason. I think it was a Thursday afternoon. Lights were out, and I look at the baptistry. It's empty. I was just glancing at it. Then I had my very first open vision. I, I literally saw the baptismal tank full of water and fire on top of the water like gasoline burns on water. It lasted 8 to 10 seconds, and I just came to, I guess, and the Lord said, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. 
had no idea fully what that meant at that time, but now I do, 96 weeks later. Just returned from Bowling Green, Kentucky, where we got the report, and I shared it this morning of stage four bone cancer. The doctor sent them home to die. Hospice was called in. He was too weak to get baptized. His wife came and got baptized for him in proxy. They were from Indiana, drove to Illinois, uh, to Kentucky. She gets baptized, and I called her over. I was on the outside of the tank. I said, we're going to dip some this towel and anoint it with the flowing oil, Bible oil. And I said, when you get home, I want you to lay this blanket on your husband. It's not the water. It's not the oil. But he has chosen to use two things that no human can market, monetize, materialize, and it is completely nameless and faceless. She goes home that night and lays that towel on her husband and prays over her, or prays over him. So happened to have a PET scan the very next day. I heard the doctor's report with my very own ears on a recording, and the doctor says we can find absolutely no cancer in his body. You ought to stand to your feet and give Jesus praise because he's still Jesus. He still does these kind of things to those that believe. That will dare ask him. That will dare create an atmosphere for him to come. Oh, you A month and a half ago, he said, Todd, he says, I want you to give me every offering on Sunday nights for the month of January to support missions. And I said, Lord, you know that means we're going to run a deficit in our, our offering. You know that. And he said, well, I wasn't going to ask you, you know, if, if your opinion, but I know all things. So <laughs> he says, I get that, but I need you to trust me. He said, Todd. I want you to give away $100,000 in the month of January to missionaries. I said, Lord, that's three and a half months of offerings on Sunday night. He says, I want you to believe it with me. Believe for 100000 I said, God, I'll do it. So I just want you to know in January, the North Georgia Rival and all of our host pastors and churches, every penny, every cent that comes in on Sunday nights will go directly to missionaries, crusades, for buying a van for the human trafficking ministry in Thailand, planning a few churches overseas, and supporting missionaries. I stood up last Sunday night and said, how many people? I just need 100 people to give $1,000. Just 100 people to give $1,000. I was overwhelmed by the response. The Lord says, step your faith up to $200,000. I don't need you to believe for me. I just need you to be in agreement. I already believe. I believe 200 people, Brother David Hogan, 
You can give $1,000. I believe there's 200 churches that have been touched and ministered to can give an additional $1,000. Why not 400000 Why not a half a million? Some of you are going to spend $1,000 on toys in the next few weeks and your kids are going to put them in a closet and you're never going to see them play with them again. But there's a missionary right now there's a missionary right now that's dying and saying, God, if you don't come through for me, I'm coming back home. Don Allen told our host of pastors just the other day that when Joab Fisher moved into China, 100 missionaries came home, many of them because of lack of financial support. We will find them. I don't care if they're Baptist, Nazarene. I don't care who they are. If they're preaching Jesus, we're going to try to help them in Jesus' name. So why am I telling you this tonight? I, this is not the mission offering tonight, okay? I'm just telling you we need this offering to be absolutely remarkable so when January comes in, I do not lose the remaining hair that I have on the top of my head. So we're going to put some fat on the bones, all right? It takes about four to $5,000, give or take, every Sunday night to do the revival, depending upon the crowd, the security, child care, uh, the expense of the building, our honorariums for our speakers. Usually takes four to five thousand dollars. We need to have about a ten to fifteen thousand dollars so we can make up for the first and second week in January. Let's just believe God. Would you stand to your feet if you would for me and with me all across the building? You can text to give today. There's the text offering tonight. You can text to give. Those of you that are watching at home, you can give via check or you can text. Those around the world, it would be best just simply to mail your check. Isn't the Lord good? Karen, would you come as we prepare for our offering? I want her to give two announcements. Ushers, why don't you come forward? Again, no pressure to give tonight, but I just want to encourage you in this atmosphere, I would give this evening. A couple of announcements, then we'll receive our offering. So good to be in God's house tonight. Amen. I know you have anticipation for tonight, what's going to happen, what has already happened. He's present. He's ready to speak to us and move among us. So we are excited to be here. Just a couple of announcements. Ladies, don't forget, coming in January, the weekend of the 17th and the 18th, is the North Georgia Revival Women's Conference. We need you to go to ngrwomensconference.com to register. You have to register to let us know uh, that you're going to be with us. So do that. NGR, North Georgia Revival, ngrwomensconference.com. Everything uh, that you need to know is there. It's $20 a person, Friday night, all day Saturday, Saturday night. And if you're here, you may as well stay for Sunday and enjoy Sunday as well, the revival service. We'll baptize on Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. So, ladies, last year we had over 1,000. We want to double that this year. So bring everybody you know and come and be with us in January. The other thing is, starting January the 7th, you can now uh, enjoy and be a part of Caneo Ministry Training Center, caneomtc.com. We will start our Caneo On Demand uh, Training Center. This is our Bible Training Center. So many of you know a lot about Caneo. Uh, you can see me at the table uh, during the evening. I'll be out there periodically to answer questions. But many of you may not be able to make it to campus. Many of you may not be able to make it live online with us. This will give you an opportunity to do Caneo at your own pace. And uh, it's going to be an incredible program. This is something we've always wanted to do. Our platform now is ready 
So starting in January, you can do that. So visit the website, caneomtc.com, and you can get registered to do Caneo On Demand coming in January. Uh, let me tell you about next Sunday night, Pamela Hillman will be ministering. Is Pamela in the building tonight? Where's Miss Pamela? She was here this morning. I don't know if she's here. Uh, spent 18 months in prison, had an encounter with Jesus in the prison has a tremendous story of redemption and forgiveness. You won't want to miss next Sunday night how the Lord saved her in prison and how she was touched by God to forgive the man that raped her. And you got to hear the story. I'm telling you to miss next Sunday night would be a terrible mistake. I'm telling you, yes. Well, let's give. Father, I just honor you. And I bless you. I thank you. Lord, for 100,000 plus in January, I thank you, Lord, that now, between now and then, you will do abundantly above all that I could ever ask or even think. You are great and mighty. I'll do whatever you ask. These elders, these pastors will do whatever you ask. And we'll pay whatever price you want us to pay to host you well. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have with us tonight Wayne Atchison and his precious wife, Miss Barbara, who is the first director of the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, the chief historian for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. A few weeks ago, he was touched in the waters, and he and his wife were touched in the waters, being baptized, and God touched him again this morning. Uh, Wayne and you and Barbara, would you guys stand up? Let us honor you for the work that you guys do at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association right here. Let them know you love them. If you've ever been to the Billy Graham Museum, it's all because of him, and, and I say that, that he directs everything that is going on there. Please go by the book table today. Uh, pick up the books, if you will. One of these is called Speaking in Tongues. Uh, we keep having to order these. This book right here is being used of the Lord mightily. Wayne, it was used in your life, was it not? Yeah, God used it to uh, help him uh, in the Holy Spirit. In the book, he sent him on the baptism of the Holy Spirit of Southern Baptist. And in the book I wrote called He Sat Down, which was instrumental in helping us prepare the house to host the presence of the Lord. Grab those tonight, if you would, at the table. Well, I don't know what to do other than turn it over to Brother David Hogan, who needs no introduction. He is a man that is carrying the manifest presence of the Lord. We're going to let the Lord do whatever he wants to do tonight, take his liberty. We will conduct the service. He will preach, turn it back over to me, and then we're going to open up for the baptismal waters. 
We'll come up these steps. You'll get a letter, then you'll go back to your seat, and then we're going to do an altar call, right, Brother David, where we're going to be praying for people. We'll be baptizing and praying for people at the same time. So at the beginning, a line for baptism. Then you can get prayer, then go get baptized when your letter comes up. All right, does that make sense? And so um, if you've come all this way, I want you to come and make sure you get in those waters and let Jesus touch you. Now, if you're going to bring in any clothing, when I introduce him to come, that's the time to do that, okay? So if you're going to do that, let's stand to our feet. Welcome Brother David Hogan all the way from Mexico via Louisiana. Love this man. Obey the Holy Spirit. to worship Jesus with y'all. Thanks a lot. I get the great honor to do that every day of my life, and I like it a lot. Holy Ghost, you got some water? Gracias. Um, I want to introduce, besides Jesus, the most valuable asset I have, just sitting right here. Holy Ghost, thank y'all, thank y'all, everybody good exercise, get up, get down, get up, get down, but I'm very blessed, y'all didn't start out very forthcoming between us, Uh, but the Lord Jesus interrupted our trail, set our feet, Uh, I want to tell you that work for the grounds. I come in from work. The reason I got her was because she wasn't connected to any hypocritical environment called a church. (laughs) I come in from work after working 16 hours in the oil field one evening. That woman, the whole house is cleaned up, the meal's on the table, and everything is perfect, you know. I'm looking at her. That's pretty awesome. And then she goes over there and sits down and says, I was watching Billy Graham on the television, and I got born again. So... What ensued was the worst year of our marriage. (laughs) I run her off three times with the kids and so forth. And, uh, but eventually the Holy Ghost figured out a plan to knock me upside the head enough to put me on my, you know, on the right trail. So thanks for the work. 
And uh, she asked me if I asked, told y'all this. I told her y'all was here this morning, and I, and I said, no, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I said, but you're here, so yay, God delivered me. <laughs> Bless y'all. It's a blessing to be with her still. We've, we've been punished by hell and been quite resilient, and we're still alive and healthy. Yeah. And I do love this lady. She's a blessing. Thank you, Mom. I appreciate you, Mom. Thank you. Sure you don't need any Holy Ghost. See, young men, you should see that it's necessary to show affection to your brides in public. Tell you what it does, it makes you strong. What it does, Holy Ghost fire. In Jesus' name. Now, this is a better show than I suppose. I seems like many people would have you to be more junk up here. <laughs> just not used to it, that's all. But once 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 the miracles start flowing, it's just like the baptism or anything else. It'll it's on it's odd to you, but it'll work out for you. Holy Ghost, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My wife and I were uh, a few few weeks ago. We were in Perth, Australia, doing a citywide thing. Uh, do y'all y'all remember Margaret Court, tennis player? The, the y'all, what's that girl? Billie Jean King, y'all's best, could never beat her. The reason then is this woman saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. She's a blessing. I was with her in her, their church in the purse. And I want to I tell you something about this. Uh, because it's not, it's not an act. It's not a gifted man. It's not an eloquent speaker. It's It's mercy. It's the anointing. What you're looking for is the anointing. Some of you have made bad decisions and your your lives are in shambles and you and you're acting, you got your best foot forward and you're trying to present, make it presentable, but inside you're crushed and you're in pain and you're hurting and your spirit is destroyed. Well, I got some really good news for you. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And we was there, right? And uh, then it was lots of stuff up on the thing. And there was a fellow there from uh, Kathmandu, uh, Nepal. He flew from Kathmandu to meet me. Well, he's got a, a few hundred churches up there in, in the Himalayas. And he heard that I go uh, to these uh, unknown spots and preached the gospel to all creatures. And, he, and they, he flew down. But what I didn't know was he put his, he put his coat up on the thing, uh, like up here, just regular coat. And, and, uh, but I didn't know that his wife was in Kathmandu at the end of stage four cancer. 
and he, he had me, you know, he picked it up, he invited me, he said, I need you to come up in the Himalayas, he said, I know you're a mountain man, and I know you know how to survive in these uh, conditions, I said, okay, I'll come, thank you, so we're going in a couple of weeks, I'll be over there, going to India, uh, China, uh, Nepal, uh, India, uh, let's see, where else? I don't know, about eight or ten nations in Europe. Things are going good for the gospel. And I know, I know that the Communist News Network, CNN, <laughs> liberal devils, lying spirits, frighten you so much but they're wrong Jesus is really active in healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons and, and he really likes he really likes people of courage I'm one of those people of courage and so we was, we was there right he got his little coat and he got back on the jet. He, he, he got his coat, prayed for him because it's not, it's not the coat. It's not where he's from. It's not me. It's not a gift. It's not where I'm from. It's not the experience we've had over the last 45 years. It's, it's none of those things. It's mercy. It's the anointing of the gospel. Now, I am impressed with your God. That dude flew back to Kathmandu, Nepal, went back up in his Himalayas, got to his dying wife, took his coat, put it on her, and in the morning he's awakened to some, to some food being cooked. He goes in there to check it out, and it's his wife cooking. She hadn't cooked in a long time. They went and had her checked out. She's exactly the same. She's completely healed. So, so, so what's going to happen is faith's going to start building upon your spirit and you're going to feel obligated to come up here and put something up here and I'm going to feel obligated to let you. Because mercy wants to be active in your home in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. Uh, this morning we was uh, messing around in the Bible a little bit. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to go back over there. I don't see any reason to leave it. It seemed to have worked. some obscure Greek text or Chaldean or some fancy little obscure word that's been hidden for a thousand years and some definition, it's not going to come from me. <laughs> I, I can read English in about eight other languages now and 
I like stuff that makes sense. For instance, Jesus is king. Holy Ghost. <laughs> I, I just, y'all don't know this. My life is so blessed that I, you know what my biggest problem with you modern Christians is? Not steamrolling you, not running right over you. Because the power of the gospel is so strong, so real, the fire is so aggressive. Yet the church is asleep. The reason you're here tonight and this place is packed out is because you're being awakened. The greatness, the goodness of God is touching locations. And, and I just want to bless you for that, for allowing it, you and your people. Man, encourage them. It's going to get bumpy and slow and methodical in a minute, but that don't matter. Better off with it than without. And I, I just want to share it with you. There's been a couple of things happened this this year. Uh, uh, it's been that has impressed me. I get to my wife; she's here, so I'll tell y'all. We just traveled. Um, we did 55 days. Went to all the continents. I wanted her to go around the world with me and not come back, go around, preach all the way around. And so I, I, I do, I've done it twice this year, and she did it once with me. We did 72,000 air miles in 55 days. In 55 days, we lost 14 nights sleep traveling through the night. This the, the, the power of God, revival, is costly. Most modern Christians are not willing to pay. You've been ripped off, depleted, worked over by whatever. It could be the church, politics, it could be anything, world system, whatever. You're just mad. Well, get over it. world needs the born-again believer preaching the gospel who's not afraid to pay full price for everything because Jesus can that's why all you mooches that are always looking for freebies that ain't the gospel you look at me how much money did I tell you I needed to come here why? Isn't that something? Regardless of what you do, God is watching. You stretch it out. You get in a race and you run without worrying about who's watching. You just run your race. Heaven's watching and heaven will pay a man, my Bible says, to their face. Say it. That's what I want. I want heaven's payback. I was in one of y'all's big things, churches. It's 20 something thousand people and very wealthy bunch. A couple of governors in there and some senators and so, you know, judges. So they thought they were very powerful. 
And if you look at it from a worldly standpoint, they are. I'm sitting in, that, in this office, and it's, some, it's amazing. It's like a whole village could fit in there. And I'm sitting there, and this little pencil dude rolls in. He looked like he stepped off of a Dillard's catalog. It was beautiful. And he had a book. He had a book with him, right? He set it down on the table. And I'm looking at him. I don't know what he wants. He don't want me, that's for sure. I had just rolled out of the mountains. I was kind of gruff looking like right now. He says, Brother Hogan, we have a surplus. I said, Yay. I don't know how to be impressed with y'all's world because you we don't believe alike. So I don't want to offend you, but you're just wrong, that's all. And so I said, what do you need, son? He said, man, we have a $5 million surplus. And he's got a pen in his hand. And a signed check. He said, how much do you want? I said, put your pen up. You ain't got enough money to pay me what I'm worth. <laughs> Listen to me. Jesus is king. Yeah. What we're going to do is integrity. You hear me? Yeah. And we're going to do it with the highest caliber of honesty and perfection. Are we clear? Jesus, lover of my soul. See, I was over, y'all know the Bakers? I didn't roll it. They're, they're real good friends of ours now. I work with them probably five, six times a year now and all over the place. And, and uh, I want to tell you a story that just happened to us a few months ago. My wife and I, we was doing this world thing. And uh, we found ourselves in Scotland. Uh, the Bakers were doing a church plant. And like, uh, I'm their hammer. Uh, I'm the hammer. But the word of God says in Jeremiah, is not my word a hammer, thus saith the Lord. Is not my word a fire. Well, I'm the hammer part. And we're, so they use me for that. To break hard areas. But I've learned how to resist hell and break the hardest rocks into dust. And so I'm sitting there, right? And they did their thing. They fed hundreds and hundreds of people fed. And they rented this hall and all that. So I'm sitting there waiting my turn. The tune makers got through. And it was my turn. So I get up and start talking just like this. I just talk. I just talk about how awesome Jesus is. I'm not afraid of anybody or anything. Hardest part is not hurting your feelings. Because you're so sensitive and shallow. You need to toughen up, grow a little skin on you, get a little thicker about you. Shut up. And I'm just talking about how awesome Jesus is. And right in front of the whole wide world, God, me and everybody, this hooker gets up. I like that because y'all don't allow them in y'all's churches. 
But when it's a church plant, you know, you allow them in so you can get some numbers. <laughs> Junkies, hookers, pimps, drug dealers. And so this girl comes walking up, you know, and she's dressed for work, which means she's undressed. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm sitting there looking at her, dude, she was nice. I could see her. I was enjoying it. Okay. Yeah, sure. I should have asked first, shouldn't I? Consequences, I reckon. That's why my mama tells me I got big shoulders. If I can carry the load. So this hooker comes rolling up on me, you know, and I'm just looking at her, and she's who she is, right? She gets there, looks at me right in the face. I mean, this woman has never been in a church building in her life. Never been, never ever heard the word of God under any circumstance. And she says to me, "You are." Crazy, and I said, you know, I'm not offended by that. It's the truth. It's all right. She's she can at least see. And she says, "Man, what's wrong with you?" I said, "I made a different choice than you. That's what's wrong with me. You want me like you? No. I want you like me. Yes." And it wasn't my fault. I assure you, I'm standing there trying to figure out how not to get shot by her pimp. And the Holy Ghost hit me. And if you don't believe in the Holy Ghost, you need to leave because I'm going to be talking about him. He's awesome. I got hit. I got hit on the shoulder and it spun me around. I mean, it was like God said, move, I got this. Boom. And when I get around, back around, the girl is flying through air and she's visible and bam she hit the deck boom I go what that was impressive then I saw this bato in the back get up this bald headed tatted up pimp come rolling up man he was serious now he rolled up on me. What'd you do to my girl? I said, son, look at me in the face. First of all, you're wrong. That's not your girl. She used to be your girl. Who she is now is my sister. And there's two things you gotta go through. The Holy Ghost fire and me. You can't have her anymore. And then that same energy hit me again. Boom, 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 boom. I get around just in time to watch this bato flying through the air. He hits the deck. And I was going, yeah. I couldn't have got away with that, but he can. After a while, both of them get up and they wobbly, you know, from the presence of God. And that girl says, what in the blankety, blankety, blank did you hit me with? I said, I got a name for it, girl. 
It's Jesus. Both of those people, I told, I told them, here's what's going to happen to you. I'm going to pray one more time, and that thing that hits you is going to hit you again. And this time, he's going to possess you. You're going to become his property. And as soon as I started talking, the Holy Ghost leveled them again. By the time they, both of them flying backwards. And when they hit the ground, they both started speaking in tongues. It was nice. With that, when that happened, all of a sudden people start running up to the front talking in Gaelic. And I didn't understand what they were saying. They had to get me an interpreter. They were getting born, they want to get born again. They've never, they've never seen the power of God. Forty-four people got born again that had never been in church in their life. So I was pretty impressed with the mercy of God myself. That just, that just pleased me that heaven cares about people that we dread to be around. So I want to encourage you to get over your dread and fear of them and let them have Jesus. Can we do that? So let's go here. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to not right now. Don't put the picture up yet. I'm going to do this Bible verse first. But I'm going to share a, bit, a picture with you that the thing that changed my life. But it's awesome to get blasted by the Holy Ghost. So I'm fixing to read to you here. Put up, uh, yeah, you got it up. Perfect. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 in the Amplified. And it says, Paul summoned by the will of God. See, see, I know that everybody in this room, if you're alive, God has a plan for you. God has a destiny for you. God has a purpose for you. You may have abused, you may have been abused, you may have, you may have made some bad decisions, you may still be making bad decisions, but God will free you of that and let you go down his purpose trail. You hear me? And when God blasted me, filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I got lit on fire and, uh, back in the Danny Oss days, uh, back in the early 70s. And I got, I got sent to Mexico, and I was on fire, but I couldn't do anything. I got there. I left houses. I was an oil field hand making lots of money every month, and I left all that stuff and went to Mexico, learned Spanish down in South Texas and went into Mexico, got an open vision, went there, found the place. God showed me how, but I, I couldn't do the job. And many, almost everybody in this room feel that way, inadequate and, and un, un, unable to finish and complete what you know God can do and you can't do it. Well, I'm here to help you because I can. 
You've been summoned, called out, set apart by the mercy of God to witness the power of the gospel. I need you to get over yourself. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. The, the church has organized itself as a money-making machine and an a, a, a insurance policy instead of a dead-raising power. And we got to bring it back to the Holy Ghost power in Jesus' name. Of course we need money. Of course, everybody does. So, Paul, summoned by the will of God, purpose of God to be an apostle. Say it, I want to be summoned. Say it. Verse 2, to the church assembly of God, which is in Corinth, to be consecrated. Say, Lord Jesus, Jesus, consecrate me. me. I want to be that set apart, consecrated version of of Christianity. Say it. Purify me, Holy Ghost. Made holy in Christ Jesus. Say it, I want to be that. I want to be made holy for the work of the gospel. Consecration. Purification. Holiness to the Lord. I want to be that faithful messenger of the gospel. Verse 3. I'm moving along because I want to I want to give a little time to this story because it's quite dynamic. It's gonna freak you out. It will. It's amazing. Verse 3 in the amplified first Corinthians 1 3. Grace. Say it. Come on me. I don't deserve it. But mercy loves me anyway. Love loves me anyway. God's faithfulness is mine. Say favor. You are mine. Spiritual blessing. You are mine. See, see, look, I'm a, I'm a good businessman. Uh, I act like a knothead, but I'm a lots of fun. I'm real strict on this faithfulness and business thing. My wife, who's my partner in it, boy, we go right around sometimes. But I want you to know, we, we spent all this money one year, and I went to Africa, and uh, over there, been over there for about 50 days or so, 60. Going nation to nation, I work about uh, almost every, uh, just about every nation south of the equator in the continent of Africa. We're now, we're now working in all of them. The mercy of God has just opened up amazing expanse for us. And I like it. It's awesome. So I'm there, and I, I found myself in Malawi. Malawi. 
and you know, and it's 800 pastors in there, and we're working, and it's my session, and I run out of money. Now, I don't know what you know about running out of money. I don't have any source or resource in Malawi. When you're out of money there, that's the wrong place to run out. And I'm in there, it's my session, and I, I, I blew up on them like I always do. And in walks a beggar. Only person that knows I don't have any money is God because I didn't even share it with my team. You need diesel, you need hamburgers, and you need hotels. Every day. That costs money. And so I ran out. And I'm not a bad planner. Uh, I'm just a good giver. That runs you out. And so I'm sitting there and this beggar walks in. Dude ain't got no shirt on. His pants are tore off nearly and no shoes. And he, 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 he's, he's dirty. And he looks over there and he saw me. I'm up talking and I saw him when he saw me. And he's coming running and I told the ushers, tackle him. So he did. Bam, they put him down. And he's kicking and snorting trying to get to me, right? Uh, and, you know, of course, everybody and their brother, including me, was thinking demonic because there's plenty of witchcraft there. And so uh, they, they said, look here, he, he really wants to talk to you. I said, he ain't talking to me. Get him out. So they, took, they drug him out, kicking and bucking. And so... My son, my son's a big boy. I told him, I said, look here, that man ain't going to have it here. I can see he's going to be confronting. So he's, he needs to take, you need to take him on first. Because <laughs> you're the bigger and the stronger the bunch, me. I need you to take him out for me. He said, I got him, Dad. Okay. So here we go. You know, I got through with my session, and we're, I'm walking out to the vehicle. They're going to take me back to my room. And here comes that beggar. He's a bushman. You don't know what that is. But they're hard to handle. They're elusive, and if they can track lions, they not, you're not going to get them. You hear me? So my son missed him, and so did the ushers. <laughs> and he made it up to me, and there he is right in front of me. He's a big boy now. He's, he looked like, I mean, I'm looking at him, and he looked like he chiseled him out of a rock. He's a good-looking feller. He was amazing looking, just scary looking. I said, do you speak English? He said, I do. I said, okay. What do you want? He said, I want you. I said, I'm not for sale. <laughs> now, here, here's that glowing man again. He said, I'm sitting there in my, in my village and I'm working, hey, his gourds had come in the season. He was doing his gourd harvest. And so he was working with his gourds. He said, the glowing man walked up. I said, what'd you say? Because I know the glowing man. His name is Jesus. I said, what the glowing man want with you? He said, he didn't want me. He wants you. I said, okay, what does he want? And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out something in his hand. Well, 
I'm well versed on witchcraft and their trickery and how they do things and so forth. I said, I'm not taking that. He said, you are too. The glowing man told me to give it to you. This is where you take a breath of faith. You have to, you have to take a breath. It's a risk walking with the glowing man. You hear me? You don't want to put your hand out because you know what in Spanish is called the acechanzas del diablo, the tricks of the demon. We got experience with them. So I put my hand out. I took a chance, a risk. Faith is a risk. But if the glowing man is there, you can take the risk. Yeah. Nothing about it looked right. But how did he know to call that guy the glowing man? That's the only way you get my attention in the spirit realm. And I put my hand out. And he put something in it. I never looked at it. I just put it in my pocket. It could be cobra venom. It could be a slow-release poison. It could be anything. That's what they use, those guys. But it wasn't. The bushman just turned and run on. Gone. I went got in my car and went home. I got to the thing and remembered it. I reached in there and pulled it out and in my hand was 10 $100 bill U.S. In the bush in Malawi. knows how to get you sourced and resourced. His grace is enough. Seems like an angel. Another word I want to do besides grace. Favor, spiritual blessings. Be to you, say, come to me, spiritual blessing. Say it. Favor of God, come to me. Say it. Grace of God, come to me. Peace of God, come to me. You see, you can see that stuff on me. I know you can. I've got it. It's a blessing. I like it.
Mrs. Hogan went with me to the mission field. We were kids, 24-year-old kids. Everybody was in disagreement. I was not, I didn't come out of the right stream. My daddy was a, uh, he was a, Secretary for the Southern Baptist Convention in Louisiana. The wrong stream for this Holy Ghost stuff. And I'm too, I'm caustic. I'm too aggressive. I'm too wild. I'm uncontrollable. So few people would give me a chance. There's a man, you know, Eroy Stocksteel, there is daddy. He said to me, Brother David, I'll give you $100 a month and I'll back you to the death. I said, yes, sir. That was it. That was my main money. My daddy's First Baptist Church in Hampton, Arkansas, $50 a month. That was it. I thought, man, I got the world handed to me. Because Jesus said I could go and a couple of people believe we can do it. So I left. $600 in my pocket wife that loved me and a couple of babies. Got down there, got a vision, went and found the thing. A year and a half later, I'm sitting in a mountain village. I don't have any money. No outside communication. No way to bank any money if I had some. No phone system. No electricity, no running water. And we run out of food. You don't want to, you want to hear where we are today. Churches in every continent, great marriage, kids doing good, everybody preaching the gospel, but it wasn't that way in the beginning. It was hunger in the beginning. It was lack in the beginning. It was, today I'm not hungry because I fast every day and we get used to it, right? I'm healthy, I'm 68 years old and healthy. Hello, how many meds am I on? I'm not on any meds at all, no, no meds. I do, I'm a runner, I run uh, ultra marathons, I do take vitamins nearly every day, but that's all. And. Uh, <clears throat> But back then, we, my wife finally came to, I'm, 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 I'm out of food. I don't have any, my truck's sitting there, it's broke, but it's out of fuel. And my wife rolls up on me, she says, I need some food for the kids. I had two kids at the time. It didn't even dawn on me. How are we going to feed the kids? The only thing that mattered was Jesus is king. Turns out it was the right decision. Because all of you that worried about the food, what do you have now? A house, debt, nice car, but you can't raise the debt. I can. There's another trail. And it starts off way slower than success of the modern era. 
I didn't know what to tell her. I, I can go back and get my oil field job back, pull, start pulling five, 6,000 a month. That's, you get used to that. No. Especially when you're kids. You can buy stupid stuff. Guns and booze. And listen, y'all, please bear with me because I'm really going to take you somewhere. There's a journey here. I want you to walk with me just for a few minutes. We have a couple of minutes, right? About 25, 30 more. Is that right? And so I want you to yep, put that fella up there with the healed leg. I don't even know who to ask. Where are they in that little box back there? Okay, turn these lights off where they can, these lights, where they can see that. I want them to see that. What that is, is healed leprosy. Okay, you can turn the lights back up. They, they got an idea. Uh, thank you. And uh, look, God's got a plan for you. And it's not what you see or what you don't have. That's not the plan. The plan is him. We have to seek him. So I told my wife, we're going to fast and pray. And we did. And there's a knock on the door one morning. We're out of food. Don't have any fuel. If I, if I wanted to go home, I didn't have any fuel. <laughs> $135 front end. I'm a mechanic. I could have put the front end on if I'd have had the, the part. But I don't have a part. $135. Bucks. Things are cheap for me now. It was, a, it was a big mountain then. There's a knock on the door. Now I'm on grippy. You ready? I go open the front door of our little thing we had rented. And there's one of the Indians from the village there, a little skinny Indian woman, a widow. She got a little bag, a little Indian bag. Hola, hermano David. Hello, brother David. Why are you here, baby? Because it's a, a long walk. Four to six hours to get there. No road. Villages are all along creeks and rivers. There's no road. She said, here we go. Ready? She said, the glowing man came. I said, what? I want the glowing man. I need some food. She said, I know. He told me to bring you my food. And I look in the bag, there's three eggs, like a little over a cup full of beans, a little bit of the same amount of rice, maybe a couple of chilies, a little coffee or some sugar, just the smallest amount of stuff. And I said, baby, this is everything you've got. She said, exactly. I said, I said, I will not take your food. She said, you will. You will not 
deplete me of my blessing from the glowing man. The glowing man <laughs> likes us. The glowing man talks to the widow on your behalf. Sends her walking through the night. She had been walking for about six hours. She got to me, handed me her food. I said, baby, I'm a man. This, this is horrible. She said, be it what it is. You're more important to preach the gospel than I am to breathe. I said, girl, I don't understand that. She said, you don't have to. Just preach the gospel. So I took the food and she walked off singing. So God started feeding us with the widow's hand. I know I want to go to the Longhorn Steakhouse and get a 14 ounce ribeye or center cut. Sure does taste good. Sometimes a little bit of beans and rice is the right answer, though. And so they started coming more frequent. And I, I went in there, I told my wife, we got some food. Fix the food for the babies. Let's eat. Let's eat a meal together. So that's what we did. It was a Wonderful time. It was a lonely, heartbreaking, hungry time. But look at me now. I can buy everybody in this room a steak if I want to. I have a herd of cows in Mexico that God bought me. Oh, nothing. Woman, how much money do you and I owe? Tell them. God's amazing. Your God's amazing. Your God loves you. You can trust him. You don't need crutches. You don't need drugs. You don't need violence. You don't need illicit sex. You don't need alcohol. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You can trust him. so much my things counting 10,000 steps <laughs> and I have a marathon in a few days I gotta get stay in shape for it while I preach asking all the neighbors and different people I'd run into about this leper. Where's the leper? Nobody would tell me. 
So I went to the government there in that little town I used to live in. See why I make hell nervous? I make you really nervous. <laughs> Holy. 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 So I went to the government and I said to him, hey. Where's this leper? I heard about this leper. And they go, we ain't telling you what a leper is. These are educated government people. I said, dude, I want to go. No, you can't go up there. You go up there, you'll bring that thing back and we'll all die. Or if you die, your government will come here and bomb us or something. I said, I will not. They ain't, they ain't like that. Jesus sent me here. I have a job. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out demons. That's my job. I have to do my job. You're, you're in the way of me doing my job. You can't, gringo. No, gringo. Pasa Maria, no No, I'm not going to die. I was sitting here to cleanse the leper. So finally, after about, I don't know, lots of weeks of me going up there every day, every day, every day, harassing, harassing, harassing. They said, you're not going to get it from us. Why? Because you're like a zoo exhibit. You're a white guy, and, and you're the only one we've ever seen. And on market day, people come from the mountains just to go by your house and look at you and your kids. <laughs> and we don't want to kill our zoo exhibit. <laughs> at least I had a purpose. I was a good zoo animal. <laughs> I said, look, I'm not going to quit, and I'm not going to die. So after about 30 days of me harassing the government, they, I went in there one morning, and they had an affidavit on the Okta printed out. I said, what is this? Well, you have to sign this that you know you're going to die, and that we warned you not to go so that when your government comes to get us, we can give it to them and let them know that you did it on your own. I said, deal. <laughs> so I signed it. And they told me where it was at. They told me, you're going to die, gringo. You will die. There's a rebel group up there. 
There's disease and plague up there on them mountains. You will die. I said, where is it? So they told me. They said, it's going to take you 14 hours. I laughed at him. I, I, I was Superman when I was young, son. My S got wore off by the mountains. <laughs> the mountains took the S off me, boy. <laughs> oh. And so, you know, I'm thinking, I can do it in 10 hours. And I took off. Straight up, boy. Took me 14 hours. <laughs> I get up there in the village, the little town where I was going. They met me out, out in the outskirts, and they said, you're not coming in here. I said, please, I, I'm here for the leper. We know why you're here, but you ain't coming in here. And I said, Look, listen to me. They said, no, we're not going to listen to you. And they called, and here comes the guys with the guns, and they turned me around, and they pointed me, and they gun pointed me out of town, so I left. So I'm sitting, look here, you, we don't think of revival as those kind of hardships. We don't think of cleansing a leper as being put in cuffs and at gunpoint. We have a wrong thinking of how it really is. It's work, buddy. It was 14 hours just to get up there. And then I got put at gunpoint. Now I'm sitting there. I don't know what to think of it, right? I have left houses and homes, mamas and dad, everything you preach to everybody, I did it right. And it went wrong. And I'm starving. All right, so all of a sudden I smell this odor. I'm a hunter. Rapper fella from one of them swamps over in Louisiana. And I smelled this odor, I associated it with a wild beast of some sort. It wasn't, it was a stinking woman come out of the woods. <laughs> smelled her well before I saw her. She was, she was another beggar. See, that is not what we want. You, you, you think revival, you think chariots of fire. You think gold dust. You think angels carrying people around and you being in these T-bone states taking a bath. <laughs> that is not how it is. You get gunpoint, you get handcuffs, and you get a dead gummit stinking beggar. Other words are trying to come at them. I'm trying to corral them so it will offend you. <laughs> In this environment, I can't be me. I have to be who you think I should be. No, you don't want me. Only, only Jesus and Ms. Hogan can take me. The people at the opium den, they don't care who I am or how I act. You, on the other hand, will leave. Just say yes. So this stinking woman, she says, I know where your leper is. And I'm looking at her. No, no, no. I want the glowing man. <laughs> now, I want no 
stinking woman. This clothes is hanging off and dirty, nasty things. But that's who I got. I didn't settle for it. I told her, you stink. You go up yonder. I'll follow you. So she did. So I went up there. And we come to this place. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, where the, where all the sewage and the water of the town comes to. It's not a real big pool, but it's muddy all the time. It stinks. And that's where these beggars live. See, that's who God gave me. And I still can't see it. I want the glowing man. I want those I know what you want, but you should be grateful with what you get and the glowing man will come. I'm right about this. I'm telling you, I figured this stuff out. Some of it. And look, she brought me to this house. These houses are made out of plastic and sticks. And it stinks. It smells like a sewage thing. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of women started coming out of them little plastic houses, sheets of plastic. And every one of them looked just like her, these stinking people. <laughs> and then one of them steps out of this little thing. You can buy those things. And she says, my husband's the leper. And I'm looking at that woman, this woman. Golly. I'm not used to women looking like I'm like I'm used to them looking like y'all look. Smell good, look good, got your best foot forward. That was their best foot. Didn't have another foot. That was it. okay, I found the leper. I want to pray for him. She said, absolutely not. What? So you come up in here, you come up in here to make fun of us and what we don't have and who, I said, baby, look at me. With all due respect to you, you ain't worth the hike. You, you, you ain't right. This pride that's oozing out of you right this moment, dude, if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be standing here looking at you. She said, who is this Jesus? I said, He's the boss. You get the boss and we'll talk. Well, which one of y'all could snap your fingers and Jesus disappear beside you? None of us. It's a faith deal. And I got to try to, how do you tell somebody in that condition they need faith? They don't need faith. They need help. And I can't get her to see it because I can't see it yet. I said, darling, look, I didn't come here to ride you, to make fun of you. You think a lot of yourself, you believe that. I wouldn't do it. You ain't worth it. You are not worth it to me. 
said, fine. I went and talked to them. So I went in there. Oh. They were way better than he is. That was the bottom of the barrel. No. The bottom of the barrel's inside. I went and moved the banana leaves off his leg, and I immediately vomited. That's the heel part. That leg was two or three times what it is there. It was oozing pus and blood. It was leprosy. And I said to him, I was trying to talk to him between vomits. And I know you'd have done better. You just weren't there to teach me. do it the way I know how, which is I don't know. But I'm here to tell you how it really happens. Sometimes it ain't awesome, but it can get there if you can have the patience. You start with nothing and you gain it all. And so he said, who is this Jesus? I heard you tell my wife. I said, look, he's the son of God. Which God? Father God, creator God of heaven and earth, who is he? I don't know who he is. I just know he spoke words out of his mouth and the earth was formed. Where he come from, I don't know, no more than you do. I just know he can heal you. How many times you've seen that happen, he said? Never. And how do you know he can do it? Well, I got my Bible out and I said, because it says it right here. He said, what is that? This is the Bible. What's the Bible? Okay, God spoke down through the millenniums to these people that he touched with his spirit. What's a spirit? I don't know any of these answers. I just know I was asked to come here and lay my hands on you and you're going to get better. He said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I just know it says it in this book that we can do it, and that's why I'm here. Now, if you're not going to let me do it, I'm going home, and you can die. <laughs> he said, okay, how about it? Oh, it's easy. I'm going to show you all what you do. Lost my hand and my wrist in the goo. started vomiting. The women out there, you ought to see them laughing at me for vomiting. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Still can't do it. Pulled my hand out of that stuff, ripping goo everywhere. I told the woman, give me some water and soap and a bucket. She said, I don't have a bucket. I don't have any soap. I said, listen, poor as y'all are, y'all know how to steal. Go get me. So she went and got me a bucket. I don't know where it come from. Still didn't have. Don't to this day have. They got some soap. I don't know where they got it from. Who cares? They didn't have any money, so they had to steal it somewhere. They got me some water. You ought to have seen them women cleaning me up and laughing. They was laughing because I was still vomiting. 
This gospel is not easy to get going. It's costly. Look that up on my iPad. I Listen, listen, listen. I went, I went back home, told my wife the whole story. She laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> it, took me, it took me about 12 and a half hours to get back. And then I said another day, I went back. Because, hey, look, the gospel is tedious, work-oriented, dedicated, and you need to be a faithful human being. Next time I got ready to go, I went in there and there's a backpack sitting there. And I look in and it's got my wife's clothes in it and the only little bit of food we had, it's in, the, it's in the thing. I said, what are you doing, woman? She said, you're taking it up there to them poor people. I said, dude, we're poor people. <laughs> she said, no, we have widows. They have nothing. Right. So I load the thing up. It took me more than 14 hours, 16 this time. I got a full loaded backpack on it. I got to go up that big mountain. And I did. Got up there in front of all these. Listen to me. These, these are beggars. Turned that thing, dumped it out. You should have seen them people fighting over our junk. No wonder you were taking it. They'd never had that opportunity. You understand? There ain't nobody coming to help them. Just me. That's who you need to be. Figured it out. They're on the Jericho Road. They're waiting on you. They're broken and hurt. Trip after trip. The man wouldn't get healed. He was so hard-headed. And in the fifth trip or so, I go up there, and my, my wife's thing was more stuff this time, and I dumped it out, and they fought over it, and I laughed at them, and that that was fun. And then it happened, y'all. The wife of the, the leper says to me, sit on the rock. I said, why? She says, sit on the rock. I said, I, I don't want to pray for the leper. I got to go home. She said, sit on the rock. Yes, ma'am. So I sit on the rock. What, what was my mind thinking happened? Do you know? He's dead. He's dead. That's, she don't want to offend me because she wants the goodies to keep coming. So I'm sitting there an hour, hour and a half, and then this dude comes walking up the trail with a borrowed axe and a borrowed hoe on his shoulder out of the jungle. He comes walking up to me, and I'm sitting there looking at him. When he got closer, it's the leper. He's walking. I said, put that axe and hoe down, pull that leg up. And he did, and that's, that's what the results were right there. I said to him, I said, how? What happened? He said, it was the last time you was here. You brought that stuff. You prayed over me. You read me the Bible, and you left whistling because I whistle. I whistle when I walk. 
through the villages. Everybody's afraid of you. Because you're quiet. And you don't, you're unarmed and you're whistling. I'm wrong with you. <laughs> he said, you was gone. And then it happened. I said, what happened? He said, I'm laying here just dying. And the roof started moving. I said, what? He said, there was a glowing man came through the roof. Shabba. Shabba, baba. said, okay, this glowing man, there's a light, right? He said, yeah, but the man was in the light. I said, okay, I got that sorted out. Describe him. Same, same description every time. His eyes were eyes of fire. He spoke as the thunder, like a river at bloodstain. golden sash around his neck. He rolled up on me and touched me. And I got sleepy and he was sleepy. And when I woke up, the glowing man's gone and the leg is healed. I need you to want the glowing man. He's here, no doubt. I feel it. I stand up and pray, and then he's gone. Y'all please stand up. I need you to say it, Lord Jesus. I love you. Send me the glowing man. I need you. I need your presence. I need your glory. I need your mercy. Help me, Jesus. I want to read a verse to you. It's in, uh, where is it? First Chronicles 21 24. King David said to Ornan, No, but I will pay the full price. I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offering without cost. I need you to want it, but I need you to be willing to pay full price. Do you hear me? We got this, y'all. We can do this. of God is so strong in the house tonight. In just a moment, we're going to baptize and we're going to open up this altar for prayer here in just a few minutes. David Hogan's going to pray for people, but we need to make sure those of you that would like to be water baptized, I'm going to ask you to come, not yet, but I'm going to ask you to come up these steps. Men, if you can go ahead and get in position to help us.
tell you something. Two anointings have united here tonight. Two very strong anointings. Do you hear me? David Hogan Ministry and Fire in the Water, this baptism revival that is happening and sweeping across America right now in the world. I feel the presence of God as strong as I have felt the presence of God. And so I'm telling you, the glory of the Lord is here. He's sitting down upon us because King Jesus has been magnified. No ministry, no man, but Jesus, just Jesus is him. this line and then you're going to go down and exit here. The first 15 or so will go and get baptized. And we're going to minister until the wee hours of the morning if we need to. Every person will be prayed for tonight. Every person will be baptized. Our teams are ready to go to 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. So when I count to 3, I'm going to ask you to come and just walk through this right into your left. One, two, three, come. If you're wanting to be baptized tonight, come from all over the building right now. Come right now. Come on. Come on, just come right now. Come on, the presence of the Lord is here. You and your family, come, come, come. Come couples, come marriages, come sick people. If you know someone that is sick, get baptized in proxy for them. We have seen it happen over and over and over again. Supernatural signs and wonders. You're going to get your letter. The first few are going to get baptized quickly. The rest of you will see your name up on the screen. Or just give me your letter, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, all the way through the alphabet if necessary. Then you'll come and make your way. We have clothes for you. If you did not get come prepared to be baptized, we have, we have 200 sets of scrubs, underwear, bras. We have everything for you, towels. You don't have to be here prepared to go. We got everything for you tonight to encounter Jesus in this water. I promise you, you will not regret it at all. You will not regret it at all. Hallelujah, he is here. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never committed to follow him, never said, Jesus, I will be your disciple. I will follow you. See, Jesus never asked us to make Christians. He asked us to make disciples. Not interested in you and praying a prayer in silence and asking Jesus in your heart and never follow him. Bow your heads and close your eyes. If you have never decided to follow him, be his disciple and repented of your sins when I count to three I'm going to ask you to lift your hand thrust it high as high as you can and you say Todd I want to be saved today I want to meet this Jesus the glowing man that, that David has talked about I want to meet Jesus I need my sins forgiven I want to follow Christ when I count to three raise your hand as high as you can ready one two three anybody in the room anybody in the room lift it high lift it high lift it high lift it high I see it I see it I see it are there hands? Are there other hands? Lift them high, lift them high, lift them high. I want to make Jesus Christ my Savior. Anybody? See it? See it? Hallelujah. Anybody else in the room? Every head up, every eye open. 
every head up, every eye open. If you're wanting to follow Jesus and make him your savior, to be his disciple, when I count to three, you're going to come. Every head up and every eye, wa- eye open watching you walk down the aisle right here. God bless the two of you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll wait. I'll wait. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, keep clapping. Anybody else? I need, I need our altar team to take care of these two right here to my left and to your right. Karen, if we can make sure, Michaela, can we make sure that they're taken care of? We're going to take them back to a room, pray for them, lead them to Christ. Uh, the presence of God is here tonight. Anybody else needing to be baptized tonight? Raise your hand. Anybody else wanting to be baptized tonight? Raise your hand. Come on, we've got room for you. Westbrook, Tia Westbrook, where are you? Tia, come here, sweetheart, quickly. You're going to witness a miracle right here, and I'm going to build your faith, and then we're going to start praying for folks. This is Tia Westbrook. You've heard her story. Diagnosed bipolar? Say that again. How many times did you try to commit suicide? 27. 27 times to try to commit suicide. Is your mother here? Your father here? Uh, You're on, on a mission trip. Oh. You got in the water. God began to change you. How many medications were you on? At that moment, uh, five. Five medications. Diagnosed clinically. She got baptized one time and God began to change her. On your arms were what? Scars. From doing what? Scratching and burns. How many? I bet you. A lot. You got baptized one time, and then how many weeks later did you get baptized again? In the second weekend of January. Then you got baptized a third time. See, people struggle about this baptism. Bible. I don't need you to struggle with not that you do. But it's just a point of contact where you said, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit fire. On the fourth time in the water, your fourth baptism, the fire of God came upon her, the presence of the Lord, and you looked down at your arms that had all of those cuts and scars and burn marks. that and they were gone say it again and they were gone (laughs) all of them yes sir and you get to the dressing room and you're changing your clothes and you look down at the legs and where you also had scars and what happened they were gone they were all gone (laughs) 
about you. That's all I need to know, that Jesus so loves his daughter that he will touch her. Not on the, not in that way in the first baptism, second baptism, or third, but the fourth time in that water. I don't know why in the fourth, but he came. He is good. And Jesus is king. So this is a living miracle right here. And then you brought us a few months later, 39, or was it a whole basket? How many prescriptions? Oh, I don't know. There was a lot of pill bottles. A lot. And now, any medication? Yes, sir. Completely healed. Completely healed. From bipolar, complex PTSD. I had tried every medication out there. The doctors were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. And the medication would only take off like the edge the suicidal thoughts I had 24-7 and all of that away all of that away and now she's playing college volleyball so Tia we rejoice and thank God for you thank you for your testimony love you yes it is it's all the Lord so again if you want to be baptized, you can tonight. We have plenty, plenty of time for you. And uh, get prayer, get in the line to get baptized. We'll be here as long as it takes. Our team's ready to serve you. We have intercessors praying for you. God will give you an encounter that you'll never forget. So I'm going to ask Mr. David Hogan if he will continue to come on up here. And we're going to pray for people. Our altar team, if you guys will come as well on our altar team, we want you to help uh, Brother David pray tonight. So going to turn it back over to him. We're going to baptize momentarily, and uh, it will be continuous until the very last one is baptized tonight. So God bless you. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Uh, go outside and get the resources that you need. Receive prayer. Our altar team will be here. Please do not allow anyone to pray for you that does not have an altar badge or, with, or that is not on Brother David Hogan's team. Everybody on Brother David Hogan's team is qualified to pray for you. And the reason we do that, we don't know who's in the building. We don't know who's in the building, but our altar team have been trained to pray for you. So they'll be lining up on both sides. Uh, I know you want uh, Brother David to pray for you. So God bless you. Let's worship the Lord as we do this, Joe, if you would. Thank you.
Bless you, and I speak healing over you and health. 